I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my creative healing course is filled with hours of exclusive content. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're gonna to be talking about hungry for love. Okay, so we're gonna be talking more about eating disorders today because it's such an important topic and we know that it's affecting millions of people. And it's a very common topic that comes up in our conversations with folks. Yep. So if you have a partner that is struggling with an eating disorder or you are yourself, we're going to talk about that today. And if it goes well, then we'll do another follow-up called Thirsty for Thoughts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Margaret. Right. What do you have today? All right. I'm going to talk a little more about eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And I read something by a woman named Dina Nandine Hatvani. Okay. Okay. Um, and she's a marriage and family therapist. Okay. And it's all HelpNet on the computer. HelpNet.com. Yeah. Okay. And she says it's about relationships, not food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Beginning in infancy, relationships, food, and feeding become intertwined. Think about it. Baby cries. Baby gets fed. Yep. Someone has to do that feeding, and then so someone is usually holding the baby and relating to him or her in some way. Mm -hmm. So from our earliest memories, being fed is one of our first ways of connecting to one another. As we grow and develop, social events often revolve around mealtime. Whether it's a family dinner or a social gathering with friends, we enjoy the nurturing that food and company can provide. For the eating disordered population, however, the connection between food and relationship can become a very troublesome link. Okay. Where there is a lack of safe, connected, nurturing relationships in an individual's life, food and food rituals can easily become a substitute for relationship. Wow. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, very symbolic. Very. Now this next part is written by Susan Sands, who has a PhD in psychology. Okay. It is now generally accepted that eating disorders serve essential self-regulatory functions. What does it mean to self-regulate? Okay. Most of us have learned how to emotionally self-regulate. For instance, if we are upset, we find a way to calm down. The ability to self-soothe is usually learned in relationship to a calming and soothing relationship, like early in life, yep. you know, the mommy who holds you and feeds you. Like when I tell you guys, I said to my kids, it's okay, yeah. you're okay, and they are able to regulate themselves now by saying it. Even my just, daughter, just I, too, can do it, yeah. All right, gonna give you an example. For example, when a child falls down and hurts herself and is crying, Mother picks her up and yep. comforts her and tells her she's going to be okay. Sure. All right. Um, 
500 times a day. Right. But what <laughs> if mommy doesn't do this? Mm. What if she yells at the child and blames her for being so clumsy? Mm -hmm. Okay, you shouldn't have fallen down in the first place. Yeah. Um, then the child has to turn elsewhere for something to soothe her. Here is where returning to food in order to self-soothe can begin. Okay. Okay. Um, so at first it becomes like some kind of coping mechanism, it sounds yes, like. Yes, To exactly. try and soothe themselves, yeah. and then after that it just... And so, and so huh? if the whole food, comfort, love, it's really a secure base. If you don't have a secure base, then the whole food, love thing can get all mixed up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's real English for what I'm saying, right? Okay. Okay. I have yet to meet someone suffering from an eating disorder who does not also suffer from relational trauma, by which I mean that the person who does not have the experience of her caregiver being in tune to her and her needs and acting as a source of comfort, when these people are stressed or hurt, the caregiver was either absent or blaming or generally not attuned to the child. Okay? So when you fell down and skinned your knee, you didn't get a loving response. You didn't get a nurturing response. Mm -hmm. Okay? And of course, we talk about nurturing and loving interchangeably which kind of tells us where the connection is. Mm -hmm. okay? Nurturing, nourishing. Yeah, nurturing, nourishing, yeah. All right, here's a little case example. Okay. Emma is a 21-year-old client who has grown up as her mother's main support in a dysfunctional marriage. Mm -hmm. Father was absent and not very involved in her life. Okay. Mother was lonely and turned to Emma for a shoulder to lean on and someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. But the conversation was always about her mother and her mother's needs. Oh boy. Yeah. This happens more often than you think. Mm -hmm. Emma had little experience of her mother being there for her. So Emma learned how to have few needs or none at all. Okay? I'm not going to be loved or fed. I'm just not going to have any needs because I can't count on anybody in this house. Sure. All right? She identified with being a caretaker and had little awareness of her own needs. The dynamic also played out when Emma would cook meals for her mother, but she herself rarely ate. So she'd cook for mom, she'd meet mom's needs, but she wouldn't eat. Wow. By the time she was 16 years old, she had been hospitalized for anorexia. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, and I just wrote at the end of it, starving for love. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So those early experiences are so important. Yeah. And as you can see, like most of the issues that we discuss, it's all around attachment. It's all around And about our ability to connect with other people. Yeah. That all these other issues come up. Yeah. The more love and affection that we get in those first two years, the healthier we are emotionally, mentally. Yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Not that you can't go back and repair it. You can. You can. It takes it's work. It's never easy. Yeah. But you can. And eating disorders, when I was first in the field, eating disorders were not even talked about. Okay? And I think it's pretty much since the women's movement in the 70s in Europe and the 80s here mm -hmm. that this kind of emerged as a woman's issue. But as I say, it's not just a woman's issue, it's a human issue. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah.
Wow. Okay. Important stuff. And you may know somebody that is struggling with this and you want to be as encouraging you can and realize that the battles that they're facing are every day and probably in many ways all day long. All day long, right. Which is sad. Yeah. You know, very sad. Think of the amount of the day that, you know, three meals takes up. And And then the hunger that comes if you don't eat during that meal, you know. Um, Most, what they say is when most kids start to become anorexic, it can be anywhere from age 10 on. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll tell, and the family often doesn't know. I've had families be shocked that the child had an eating disorder. Well, she said she ate at school. She said she had a big lunch. She said she went to her aunt's house and she ate there. She went to her friend over there and she said she ate there. Mm -hmm. So the kids will tell their parents that they're eating, but they're not. Wow. Okay. Important to think about. Yeah. Hopefully you found this helpful. I hope so. And realize that if you're dating somebody with an uh, eating issue or you are yourself, please get yourself some help for that. It is life-threatening and you want to take care of yourself or be there for the people that you care about. And if you care about somebody, hug them and make them supper. Mm-hmm. They can't resist it. <laughs> what is it they always said? Um, oh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Mm-hmm. It's probably true for women too, but I never heard that one. <laughs> All right? All right. And then if you do, maybe they'll give you dessert. That could be. <laughs> and dessert is often even better than the meal, right? That's what they say. Yeah, they, they do. Um, if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, askcraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. Margaret, of course, is available for Skype coaching. If you think I can be helpful, please sign up with me. Just click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. That's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.